Today we're concluding our series called All Things New, talking about new, uh, new things that we can begin in the beginning of this year, and today we're going to talk about habits, new habits. I hope that 21 days of prayer and fasting leads you into some good new habits for 2022, and, and so we're going to talk about that today, and then next week I want to let you know that we've been doing this special service order with a response time at the end of service during the Christmas season, and 21 days of prayer and fasting, and that ends this week. And so at the end of service today, I'm going to really encourage you to respond. It'll be your last opportunity to respond in that way for a little while. And next week, we'll go back to our original service order, which is we'll worship in three songs in the beginning and then have teaching and then a short song on the way out so that you're prepared, so you know, so that you've got your, I've got to have my heart ready. Do you have to have your heart? I've got to, like if, the, if there's going to be a whole song after the pastor preaches, I got to tell my tummy, hey, lunch has got to wait a few more minutes, okay? I got to know. And so I'm preparing your tummies right now. We're starting a brand new series, and it's a great series called, uh, it, it's, you know, this is hilarious. I've had Robert tell me the name of this series. Help me understand. I came up with the name of this series, and I've had to have Robert tell me the name of it four times today. Help Me Understand is a series about the parables of Jesus. We're going to spend six weeks looking at six of the major parables that Jesus shared during his time teaching and his time of ministry. I think it's going to be an incredible season for us. And so I'm so excited about what God is going to do. But today we're going to finish up this series and talk about habits. We're going to talk about new habits. I want to share with you some things that have really helped me and that I practice all year round as I practice the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus has always involved habits. Uh, when Jesus walked to the earth, he had some very specific habits and patterns that we see throughout the New Testament and in the Gospels uh, that he imparted into his followers and that are carried on even to this day. These habits or disciplines or rituals are a crucial part of the Christian life and a crucial part of our spiritual growth. And they help us to live the way that we were made to live. I think that these habits have taken a lot of different forms over the years, but the idea and what's been, what's been shared has remained largely the same for thousands of years, an unbroken chain of good habits that will change your life. I believe that if you apply some of these habits we're going to talk about today, you can see your entire world transformed in 2022. So this year, as we step into the new, as we see God transform us and make all things new, we're going to start by adapting some good habits. Habits. Maybe you're already feeling like, oh no, not another conversation about things I have to do. The conversation of habits can feel daunting to some of us. We're slow to step into new habits for a few reasons. Maybe for you, it's because your habits have you. You don't have habits. Your habits have you. Everybody has habits, whether you like it or not, whether you're intentional about it or not, whether they're the habits you've built yourself or the habits that have just come upon you. Every person has habits. Maybe you've got bad habits, like picking your nose and placing it on the furniture. Do you do that behind the furniture, maybe underneath the, the, the car? I'm in somebody's business right now. You're so uncomfortable. I could find crusty places around your house. Maybe you chew with your mouth open. Maybe you're one of these, just, just chewing with your mouth open at the dinner table. I would lose my mind having a meal with you. Maybe, 
Maybe you're a mouth breather. You just, one of your bad habits is you just always breathe with your mouth wide open. I don't know if that's a bad habit or not. These are just things that bother me. Maybe, maybe your bad habit is that you always eat a snack late at night. Maybe you're a, a 10 p.m., it's almost bedtime, but you're going to just go see what's in the pantry before you go to bed. A little 10 p.m. Cheeto snack, maybe. Uh, uh, or maybe grab a, who, Maybe you're one of those folks that makes a sandwich at 11 o'clock at night. This has always mystified me. Making a sandwich in the Maybe you crack your knuckles all the time. Maybe you crack your neck. That one freaks me out when people, and there's a loud sound, and it's like, are you okay? Everybody's got a habit like that, but maybe there are some other bad habits that have you, ones that aren't so funny, like your need to watch X amount of hours of television before you can go to bed. Maybe you're, you're checking social media the very first thing as soon as you wake up. Maybe you spend your money without budgeting it and you constantly spend it places you don't want to, but it's just a bad habit. Maybe you have addictive habits, addictions that you can't put away, or habits that are leading you into places of addiction. Maybe you have damaging habits that are hurting your health and the people around you. Maybe you have sin habits that you don't want anybody to know about, but you think about every day. The truth is, if you're not intentional about building habits that benefit your life, you're going to develop habits that are going to hurt you. So do you have habits, or do your habits have you? Maybe you don't like the conversation of habits because your order just hasn't been right. Your priorities have been wrong. Maybe you don't have the right habits because you don't have the right priorities in life. You've placed the top value on the wrong things, and those things are now running your life. Maybe it's your, your work. Your very top priority is work, and you don't get the opportunity to enjoy the fruits of your labor because of all the labor. Maybe your wrong priority is placed on a person who will... The problem with making a person your number one priority is that people will always let you down. No matter how good they are, no matter how important they are to you, if a person is number one in your life, at some point, it will lead you to disappointment or heartbreak. We underestimate the importance of priority. We let our priorities dictate themselves, and what happens is we end up spending the majority of our lives on things that matter the least to us, because our priorities are all in the wrong order. Or maybe you don't like the habits conversation because you just want freedom. You want freedom. You don't want to be tied down. You don't want to be bogged down. I know there's some of you out there that are just the rebel spirits. You're just going to rebel against anything and everything that you can. Anything that somebody tries to, you're going the opposite way. You guys are the group who hears a sermon about habits and you think, I don't know. I just want to be more free. You know, I need freedom to live my life. I, I like to take my day as it comes. You know, my relationship with God is fluid. You know, it's just, it's natural. I just don't want to, I don't want to have to be caught up in a ritual. Okay, I see you. And I'm not trying to tie your life down to a by-the-hour schedule. That's how I live my life, is a, is a by-the-hour schedule, because that's the only way I can be successful and find joy. I've got ADHD. It's the only way for me to live. If you've got ADHD, and you're one of these people who thinks that you need freedom in order to enjoy your life, you are living a lie. Without routines and habits, the ADD perish. That's in the Bible somewhere, I promise. 
All of us may not have to tie our lives down to a by-the-hour schedule, but what if I told you that if you commit a few basic habits to your life, then you will have more freedom in your life than you have ever had before. You will experience freedom in a fresh, new way because of the habits that you've adapted. I believe you can, and I believe you will. It's time to build some fresh, new, important spiritual habits this year. Every year we want to be a new version of ourselves. We get these New Year resolutions hearts. You know, maybe you're like a planner and December comes along and you start thinking through, all right, what are my resolutions going to be? What am I going to change in 2022? What's going to be new about me? I'm going to do, I'm going to do some good things and, and I'm going to be a totally new person and I'm going to put away those things I've been trying to change forever. And what happens when February runs around? Those habits that we wanted to form, they didn't make it. Those new year, new us has turned into new year, same old me. And here's why. It's because you can't be a new person if you just keep doing the same old things. You can't be a new person if you keep doing the same old things. The Bible explains this principle in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. It says, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. I'm aware that you don't use wineskins, okay? I know that you've never seen a wineskin before, but I think you can infer what it was. A wineskin was a leather pouch that you put your wine in for it to age before there were bottles. And that wineskin would age with the wine, giving it flavor and becoming a part of it. And if you took an empty wineskin that had been used and added fresh wine to it, it would just fall apart. It'd be like drinking milk out of a paper carton and then just deciding, I'm going to keep reusing this. What I'm going to do next is pour some more milk into this paper carton. That would be disgusting. My daughters are into mouthwash right now. We got them like a, it's a fluoride rinse. It's a not, you know, it's not like the alcohol mouthwash. It's just a kid's mouthwash. And they're excited about it. We got them Dixie cups for it. You know, the little paper cups that are like this big and these little bitty Dixie cups. They're so cute. But the kids like to pick one that they like the design on it. And they're like, this is going to be my paper cup forever. And I said, no, that's not going to work. There's a whole stack of them. Just grab a new one every night. But my three-year-old, she said, nope, this is it for me. And she took it and she filled it. And then my, my six-year-old, she likes to prepare for the next day, uh, the night before. And so she went and filled up her tiny little Dixie cup she'd been using for three days with mouthwash and put it on my sink because she'll come in there and brush her teeth while I'm getting ready in the morning. And she put it on my sink and said, now it's ready for when I get up tomorrow morning. Guess what? That night, the paper cup failed. And I woke up with green watermelon flavored mouthwash all over my sink. It melted it right through the bottom. You can't put a new thing into the same old container and expect it to hold it. You cannot live your life the same way you've always lived it and expect to become new. You can't expect your finances to get better if you keep following the same financial practices you always have. It doesn't matter how much money you make. 
If you keep living the same way you've always lived, you will always be as broke as you've always been. You cannot expect to put away those sins or those secrets that you've been trying to run away from and keep doing the exact same things. You'll keep making more sin in your life and new secrets. You can't put new wine into old wineskins. If you try to put new in with the old, the old can't sustain it. If you want to have new life and be a new creation the way that Scripture says that you are, but you don't change your habits and change your lifestyle, your, new, your life will not be able to sustain the new that God is pouring into you. Right now, your habits are forming you into who you're going to become. You are in the process of becoming somebody right now. Right now, you are becoming who you're going to be in the next month, in the next year, in the next decade, in the next season of life. If you're not in control of your habits, then who are you being formed into? Let's make a decision to form our habits in order to make us more like Jesus today. And the first thing that we've got to do is build spirit habits. Build spirit habits This is one of my favorite things to preach about. It's one of my favorite things to sit down and talk to people about. It's one of my favorite things to share with others because I think there's nothing in your life that's gonna transform your life more than good spirit habits. Chapter four of Paul's letter to Timothy, verse eight says this, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And that is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. For all of you looking for a good reason to give up your New Year's resolution and quit the gym two weeks in, that's not what Paul is saying. When he says physical training is of some value, he's comparing the two as he does in several other places throughout his epistles. Physical training is good for your body and your mind. I have a gym that I love and get up and go to at least one day a week, and (laughs) it's been great for me. But what I've learned about going to the gym is that in order for me to see results, to actually see results, to see change on my body, to see change in my life, it requires consistency and it requires hard work and it requires discipline. I've got to labor and strive and give it 100% if I want to see the change that I desire. I've got to try to do a little bit more each time that I go. I've got to rely on the wisdom of the people that are leading me there, and I've got to lean into it with consistency and habits and hard work. And even though all of that is important for your physical body, training my spirit is even more important, but it requires the same kind of discipline, consistency, commitment, and hard work. I believe that working towards godliness will affect every single aspect of your life without exception. So in the same way that I would labor and strive to see results in the gym, I've got to labor and strive to see results in my spiritual life. I've got to put in hard work and develop these disciplines so I can train my soul. That's what spirit habits are all about. 
another term is spiritual disciplines. Dallas Willard is a pastor and an author. He's with Jesus now, but when he was alive, he wrote a lot about spiritual disciplines, and he defined five specific spiritual disciplines that we all need to add to our lives. The first one is prayer. I just will preach this sermon as much as I can until I am done, until I got no more words left to share, because if you learn a habit of prayer and a discipline of prayer, it's going to change your life. The reason we love to start our year with 21 days of prayer is because it gives you a jump start on a daily prayer habit that's going to transform what you look like at the end of this year you got to add a habit of prayer to your life. There's nothing you can do that's going to add more value to who you are. Because a relationship is not a relationship without communication. You know, there's been seasons where my wife and I, we, our, our, our marriage has been incredible at times, and there's been seasons where we've needed a little bit of help in our marriage. One particular moment was not long after we had started this church, and I was just working as hard as I could, and I was overwhelmed and tired, and we had just become parents, and she was working just as hard as she could to raise that little girl, and she was overwhelmed and tired, and we were together every single day, but we did not communicate. And then after a few months, it began to feel less like we were in a relationship and more like we were roommates with a common goal. That put us in marriage counseling. And after a few months of marriage counseling, what we discovered we had been missing was just simple communication. Because if you do not communicate with somebody, you cannot know that person. And if you do not know that person, you cannot have any intimacy with that person. And without that, there's no relationship. And so prayer is your way to communicate with the one who made you. It is your way to build relationship with him. It is your way to have intimacy with God, to be known by him and to know him. If you do not pray, do you really have relationship with him? A few things the Bible tells you about prayer. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I don't think Paul expected that you would hear that and think, oh, thank goodness, I never have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. I think what he wanted you to understand is that every time you worry about something, talk to God about it that he wants to hear it. He wants you to bring it to him. He wants you to, to give him thanks for the ways he's going to influence those prayers and those concerns and those worries. God cares deeply about the things that you care about and where your anxieties are. That's where God wants to be as well. He wants you to bring him prayer and thanksgiving over every, nothing is too small. Sometimes maybe you think, ah, oh, gosh, I'm so anxious about this, but I'm not, I don't need to pray about it. It's just something I need to fix. Talk to God about it anyways, because a lot of times when my wife needs me to communicate to her, she, how many of you know she does not want me to fix the problem she's telling me about? She needs to feel connected to me in that problem. She needs to know that I hear and I care about it and that I love her through it, that I'm with her in that problem, not that I have a solution. God may not be a part of the little thing that you're worried about, but he wants to be a part of it. 
He wants you to talk to him about it so that you feel connected to him and so that you know he cares about you through it. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I mean, I just think a lot of times we don't go to prayer because we don't go to God in prayer because we get worried that he's not going to answer it. But his word tells us that when we come to him, he's ready to listen. He's ready to give an answer. It may not always be the answer you want, but he is ready to hear you and to answer you. Jeremiah 3.33, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I journal every day. And when I journal, the majority of what I write down, the majority, I, I have a, a quiet time and I'm, I'm going to, I'll get to it all, but I read the, the Bible and I do a devotion, read a devotion that a pastor writes and I pray. And uh, sometimes I'll write a little bit of a journal entry out of the scripture and the prayer. I always try to, I try, I try to put down insights from it and things that, that'll help me understand what I've read. But the bulk of what I write, it comes out of prayer. Because as I speak to him, I feel him move inside of me. I feel his Holy Spirit come upon me and it builds intimacy together and he reveals great and hidden things which I have not known. Prayer will build that in you. It says in Jeremiah twenty nine twelve, you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. God hears you. I just... I need you to understand this morning that when you pray, it is not just words bouncing off a ceiling, that there is a Father in heaven who has turned his whole attention to you. I think the worst thing that's happened to our children is smartphones. Because parents, I mean, I'm guilty of it. How often have we been in a, in a playroom playing with our kids, and instead of being present with them, we've had our attention on that phone? Maybe you started to answer a text and then you got distracted and opened your emails and started reading work emails, or maybe you're scrolling through social media and looking at things instead of looking at your kids. And what do your kids want? They want you to, Daddy, look at me, look at me, look at me. Daddy, look at this, watch this. Daddy, you got to see this. Dad, watch this. Are you watching? Are you watching? Are you watching? They are so desperate for me to put down my phone and to look them in the eyes and say, I am watching you. I'm giving you my full attention. The Bible says that when you speak to God, he stops everything and he turns his attention to you. He's listening only to you. He's looking at you. He says, I will hear you. It says in John 15, 7, if you abide in me, abide, if you dwell in me, if you sit in my presence and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You have a present heavenly father who is just waiting to hear from you. And when you begin to speak to him, your words can be as poorly strung together as you want. You can be awkward and weird and have no idea what to say. And his whole attention is on you, and he is pleased with you, and he is so happy to hear from you. And it may feel at first awkward and uncomfortable and like it's not getting you anywhere, but I promise you, that is exactly how I felt when I first started talking to my wife. I'm telling you what, I was so bad at it, I had barely ever even had a girlfriend. And I started talking to her, and I was just, hi, John Mark, watch this. You can go do something stupid, you know. 
I don't know. So bad at it. You know what happened? The more that I talked to her, the easier it got. Prayer is the same way. The more you speak to him, the more comfort you will have in speaking to him. Prayer. It's first spiritual discipline. Second one is worship. Worship to me is the easiest of all the disciplines because it's what you were created for and your heart will immediately connect to it. Luke 4, 8, Jesus says, and Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Worship him because he is worthy of your worship. Worship him because it's what you were made to do. A funny thing happens when you do the thing you were made to do. You begin to wake up inside. You begin to connect with the purpose of your creation in a fresh and new way. Have you ever watched a celebrity documentary? I like to watch celebrity documentaries. I am not into reality television. I think it's the worst thing there is. But celebrity documentaries, you've got my interest. You know why I like them? Because they affirm what I do for a living over and over again. I'm sorry, but every single one that I can think of It has a moment where the celebrity talks about how empty all of the fame and the fortune and the success has made them feel and how they are still out there looking for more. You know why? It's because they weren't created to have your adoration. They were created to give God theirs. When we worship, we find greater satisfaction than we could anywhere else. Psalm 29, verse 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 95, 1 through 6, Come, let us sing to the Lord, and let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And in his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it in his hands Form the dry land. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship in reverence and in awe. Psalm 99. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for holy is he. Psalm 96. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness and tremble before him all of the earth. When you worship the one you were made to worship, you will connect with the purpose of your creation. I'm just telling you, it doesn't take me long. I start every single day with worship. It is the first thing that I consume every day because I need, I need to be reminded as I embark into that day what I was made to do. And I'll wake up grumpy a lot of times. And I'll wake up mad or I'll have a weird dream that I'm trying to figure out. You know, I just, I wake up with a compulsion to go look at my emails first thing in the day. Be bogged down by whatever bad news is waiting inside. But what I need is to connect with the purpose of my creation. And I've got just a couple songs that I really like. I've been lately listening to house. This is a, the Brandon Lake song. This is a house of miracles. Just praying it over my family and my home. 
And I just, it's the first thing I want to hear when I wake up in the morning. I want to declare that this is a house of miracles. That this, this is a God that I'm meeting with the first part of my day who, who can say, come alive to a body and it can wake up. That's what I need. It changes my heart and I think it would change yours. Spiritual discipline of worship gives you perspective. It brings you joy. The spiritual discipline of study. The spiritual discipline of study. It's the third one. You got to study God's word so that you will know him better. I know I, a lot of times people will, especially younger Christians, new Christians, will come and meet with me and say, how do I hear from God? I, I want to know what God is saying. How do I hear from him? And I always just kind of look at him. I just say, man, if only, if only there was this giant book that you could read that would have access to all of the promises he's given you would tell you the story of how he connected with you in the first place, would tell you the story of how far he was willing to go to know you, would give you his wisdom and his teaching and who the very nature and character of God is contained within those words. Study scripture and it will come alive to you. You gotta, listen, you got a smartphone, download the Bible app or the Bible in one year app. There's an app, it's called the YouVersion Bible app. It has a million different plans on it and you will find one that works for you. There's people that read them to you. You can, you can listen to this. You can do your study in the car on the way to work. You can have the Bible read aloud to you. you can, I use one that's called the Bible in One Year app, and I love it. I've used it for several years now. Uh, Nikki Gumbel is a pastor in the UK who writes a devotion every day, and it goes through the Old Testament and New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs, and gives you something to look at. Every, it's just and you can do the audible part, and he reads it to you in a British accent. It's amazing. So peaceful and calm. Makes you want to have tea while you learn more about God. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. I, just, I need you to understand that. That means that it will come alive to you, that the more you study it, it may all just seem hard to understand in the beginning. I get that. But it's living and active. It will reveal truth to you. It will reveal peace to you. It will, it will help you understand him. It will speak to you. God will speak to you through his living words. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it pierces to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That means that God's word has a way of being exactly what you needed at exactly the right time to reveal exactly what you've been wondering. Study his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is God breathed. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that a man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. I don't know if you're picking up this, but what Paul is saying is if, if you don't study God's word, you're an incompetent man of God. I didn't say it. Paul said it. We've got to understand him so that we can serve him well. I, I, and just so you know, where we land at the gathering church is what, what I believe is that the whole of Scripture is the living word of God. That every single word in it, every, every piece from the beginning to the end is so important, is valuable, is true, and is written for you and I. 
We do not remove any part of it. We do not say that any of it, it is not antiquated or old news. It is living and it is active and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. We pursue the word of God in this place because we know that has the power to change who we are. How you build a discipline of study is simple. Pick a plan and read it every day. Pick a plan and read it every day. Pick a plan and read it every day. I have it in three different places. I have a paper one-year Bible at my office that I'll read sometimes. I have my iPad, has the long version, the, the Bible in one year app, the one that I use has an express version and a long version. I have the long version on my iPad and then on my phone, I have the express version. Because sometimes you're like, oh shoot, I've, I haven't studied today and I can pull it up and get through it in 10 minutes and learn something from God's word. Just make it available, pick a plan and read it every day. The next, the next spirit of discipline is solitude. Solitude. We see this all throughout the gospels. Jesus did it. Over and over, it would say that he, walked, he would spend some time away from his disciples, that he would go to a quiet place. Luke 5, 15 and 16 says, But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, talking about Jesus, to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He would find solitude. Dallas Willard wrote, Solitude well-practiced will break the power of busyness. Do you need the power of busyness broken in your life? Solitude, well-practiced, would break the power of haste, isolation, and loneliness. You will see that the world is not on your shoulders after all. You will find yourself, and God will find you in new ways. I believe solitude is one of the most underrated and undervalued of the spiritual disciplines, and it's a spirit habit you need to build this year. That doesn't mean you got to go be a monk. I'm not telling you to go build a cabin deep in the woods and just withdraw yourself. The introverts are like, yes, I am ready for this spiritual discipline. Yes, Lord, take me into solitude. No, it's not that easy. <laughs> it means find a space in your day to be alone for a second. Parents, do it on the toilet. Lock the door and the kids are screaming and little fingers are coming under there and get the solitude you need. Talk to your spouse and say, hey, once a week I need to get out of this place and get solitude. I need to get alone so that I can hear from God. I need to get alone so that I can refresh my spirit. I need to get alone so that I can remember I'm not lonely, but I can rely on the power and the presence of God, and He speaks to me in these quiet places. Solitude is a powerful spirit habit. Last one is serving, 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 serving. The other part of what Jesus said was this in Luke chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Jesus says, and Jesus... It says, Jesus answered them, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. Worship him and serve him go together alongside one another, side by side. First Peter 4.10 says, as each has received a gift, 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You were created to glorify God, to worship and serve others. It's over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. It's what he made you for. You may think, I don't want to serve people. That sounds terrible. I want people to serve me. But I'm telling you, having people serve you will only ever make you feel lonely. It will make you feel empty. It will make your life void of purpose. When you serve others, you are built with purpose. You are fortified. You have blessing inside of you that you can cannot describe in words. You were created to serve, to serve, to, to make a difference in people's lives. I believe that these habits will change your life if you don't just do them, but you do them with consistency. Spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, study, solitude, and service will change your life. Good habits require consistency over a long time. Consistency plus duration equals impact. The longer you do it in a consistent way, the bigger difference it will make in your life. I have used all my time on these, but that's okay because I'm passionate about them. Two more things as we quickly conclude. First is that For those of you who believe you don't want habits, you want freedom, I want to tell you that you'll find freedom in good habits. It's easy to get overwhelmed at a list of habits and think, I don't know if I have room to add all of this to my life. I don't want to be anchored to all these things every day. How am I supposed to make time for it? I want freedom, not a schedule. I understand. Let's look at a passage Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 6. He says, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have now come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have now become slaves to righteousness. Paul uses an example that people understand. There's a lot of slavery happening in the Roman world that he's writing to. And he wants them to understand that they're going to be a slave to something. That when they thought they were free, they were a slave to sin and all the bad habits that were running around their lives. But when they came into relationship with Jesus, they were becoming slaves to righteousness. They became a slave to something that would give them purpose and peace and would build up who they were made to be. It says in verse 22, now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The life that you live thinking that you're free is not free at all. You're always going to allow yourself to be mastered by something. Maybe it's your job or your hobbies. Maybe it's the pursuit of meaning through a long list of different means. Maybe it's addictions or social media or television. Paul says that oftentimes it's sin sin in our lives. We believe we're living in freedom, but the reality we know deep down inside is that we're living in sin and it's rotting us from the inside out. It doesn't offer us any peace or any joy or any blessing. It's why we keep looking for more. When you submit your life to Christ and his way of righteousness, you are a slave to him and his plans for you, but you are more free than you have ever been in your entire life. It may require some ritual. It may require some habits, some disciplines, some routine. 
but you will still have greater freedom than you've ever had before. Find freedom in the habits. When you set a daily routine of prayer and study and of worship, you're going to find yourself growing closer to the purpose that God made you with, and you're going to feel more fulfilled than you've ever felt before. Finally, we have to learn the right priority. See, so much of the habits that we actually stick with are related to the priorities we hold. This is the key. If you want to know the secret to really getting in shape this year, if you want to know the secret to really building a good habit, it's not the habit itself. It's how big of a priority it is to you. The principle of priority is the key to successful habit building. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Malachi, and many more, the Bible talks about an idea called the principle of the first. The principle of the first. God wants the first of everything in your life. And he wants it so that we remember to keep him at the center of our lives, so that we remember that we were made for him. And so he is at the first of our lives. He asked for the first of our harvest, for the first of our flock, for the first of our finances, for the first fruits of our labor, the first of our time, the first of our attention. It is the principle of the first. And he shows us that when we place him first, everything else falls in the right order. Matthew 6, 30, 31 through 33, Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he's concluding it, and he's saying, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all those things, and your heavenly Father already knows that you need them. All the things that we prioritize over God in our lives or over these habits in our lives, all the many things that are getting in the way of you having good spirit habits that you think are more important. Jesus' answer is pretty simple. He just says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what happens? All these things will be added to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these other things are going to be given to you as well. I know that it feels like you've got to put all these other things first. Because who else is going to? How's it going to work? How's it going to happen? There's not enough time in the day. There's not enough minutes and moments and hours in the day. How is it going to work if I don't put all this other stuff first? No, no, no. Jesus says, you got to stop worrying about all that. He knows what you need. Before that, he says, do, do the flowers in the field worry about how they will look? Or are they dressed more beautifully than anybody else? God knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, put a priority on these things, on these, on these basic habits. And all these other things will be added to you as well, because he knows what you need. Seek him first. We're going to build some new habits this year. And as we build new habits, what we're going to end up doing in this space is building new people, building new families, building new hope, new futures, new purposes, new people. And it all just starts with this simple idea of a wineskin. You can't expect to keep being somebody new if you're doing the same old things. Build some new habits. If you're here today 
and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I know you've been looking for it for a long time. I remember the feeling. I remember the constant pursuit of purpose, of meaning in this life. It's what brought you into this space today. This idea that there's got to be more. There is more. There is peace for you. There is joy for you. There is purpose for you. There is freedom for you. You don't have to be a slave to anything that would harm you any longer. And if you want to live this life, this fulfilled life, this good life, all you have to do is accept the gift that's already been offered you. We read it today, Romans 6.23, the free gift of God. The wages of sin is death. You are on a road that is leading you to death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He's already done the work. So you just got to reach out and accept that gift. If you're ready to do that today, would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. Forgive me for trying to be on my own for so long. I want you. I believe in you. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you've done the work to bring me into your presence. And as I sit here today, I give all of me to you. All that I am from this moment forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.